God is good. Amen. God is faithful. Amen. And he has something for us today, always. I have found the last couple of weeks very convicting to me uh, as I've studied God's word, and I pray that you've studied uh, as well. But if you would, grab your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 through 25. If you were here last week, you're going, that's the same scripture as last week, and you're exactly right. If you weren't here last week, you missed these scriptures last week, and it's not the same, so I encourage you to go back and, and listen to it again. You could do that on Facebook. You could do that on YouTube. You could do that on our church website. Um, Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 to 25. If you're using that pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 82 in that pew Bible. Now, a promise, promise defined as a noun, a promise defined as a noun is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. A promise defined as a verb is to assure someone that one will definitely do, give, or arrange something, undertake, or declare that something will happen. So a promise is a thing, but a promise is also an action that we take. Synonyms for the word promise Agreement, assurance, bond, guarantee, commitment, obligation, pact, pledge, vow, to give your word or a covenant. In years past, many could say that a handshake would have been enough to settle things like that. There's a good chance right now that you're delinquent on a promise or a commitment, or a covenant that you have made to do something or to do for someone, there's a chance. People openly break their promises every single day, and it seems like in this world when they do, there's very little backlash, very little concern or fear because they do. Promises have been broken so much that we have to assure people many times abundantly, more abundantly than we should, that what we are doing or saying is true. Someone will start a story like this, true story, or no lie, or I swear, or I mean it this time, as if everything that we've ever heard from them prior to that statement of this is going to be the truth has not been the truth. Now, we've either had people talk to us or we've used those statements, we even have a rating system for our lies. They start with little white lies, and they'll go all the way to bold-faced lies, and if you stop and think about it long enough, there'll be many lie increments in between. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, let your yes be a yes, and your no be a no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Proverbs 12, chapter 22 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Our word, our commitment, our promises, our covenants need to mean something. Amen? So I'm going to have you stay seated. We're going to read this scripture again and... Um, I can already tell you in the booth, we're going to stop after I read verse 
20, but you can stay seated for this extended passage. But let's read from Exodus chapter 19, picking up in verse 3. It said, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon the Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whatever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether man or beast. He shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day, do not come near your wives, that it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke descended like the, ascended like the smoke of the furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Thank you, church. Keep your scripture open. We're going to touch it, and we're actually going to go one other place this morning as we go through this scripture yet again. As you are aware, we used this exact scripture passage last week, and hopefully, I know I did while well, I've been reading it all week. As you even read it right then, you were reminded of the points that we made last week. Remember, we talked about our step count, how Moses was going up and down and up and down and up and down to be with the Lord, and how we are called to come regularly before him. Our need to live up to our calling to step out and to trust God. That we must come before the Lord appropriately, intentionally, repentantly, sincerely, honestly. And that we must share the words of God with those who do not know him. That the Great Commission is your responsibility. That statement has now made four sermons in a row. It's, it's impacting my heart and life. These four points are critical and stand alone in their importance. But these four points also can serve as reminders of our need to keep our promises before God. 
What promises did I make, you may be asking right now? Well, best I can tell, you asked Jesus, if you have, asked Jesus to come into your life to be your Savior and your Lord. That means that when you entered into that relationship, you yielded your life. God gave you everything, and you yielded your life. He became the authority in your life. The Holy Spirit moved into your life to lead and guide and direct you. We have said, God, through your spirit, through your word, and through your son, you get to tell me what to do. That's what we did with our lives when we accepted Christ. And if you say you've accepted Christ and you go, but I didn't do any of that, then scripture would teach that you have not yet accepted Christ because that's what scripture teaches happens when we pray to receive Christ in our lives. So I want us to notice as we move forward, we're going to walk through this just quickly again. Let's notice first God's initiative. God's initiative. Look at verse 3. It says, I have something, Moses, I want you to share with the people. Verse 4, you have seen what I have done, what I am doing, and the plans for what I will do. Verse 4, I have brought you to me. And verse 5, I want to make a covenant with you. God didn't have to do any of these things, but he wanted to. He chose to. That's what initiative is. It's a doing before it's required. God took these steps beforehand. He wanted to do these things. You know, a covenant can be defined as an agreement, usually formal, between two or more persons that do to do or not do something specified. God creates this covenant, this opportunity for us to come together and agree. It's called the Mosaic Covenant, and God provides both sides of the agreement. God's side, verse 5 says, if you will obey my voice and keep this covenant. God's commitment from himself to the people in verse 5 and 6, God said this, then you shall be a special treasure to me. Now, I think it's pretty awesome that God would, would even make me or you, a treasure. But God said, you're not just going to be any treasure, and a treasure is a pretty cool word, but you are going to be a special treasure to me. God says that you will be a kingdom of priests and that you will be a holy nation. Now, note if we go back and look at this, that God made this covenant, this Mosaic covenant, a conditional covenant. Now, the one he made with Abraham was unconditional. It will last forever. But this one, the mosaic, was a temporary, it was temporary and conditional. God says, if you do, I will do. Amen. Now, remember what Scripture said when I was reading and during the welcome about Jeremiah. God says, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. If, then. You know, God puts us in situations that it's conditional. God does not just give us everything because God loves us enough to want us to become what he has created us to be. And God will not, even though we will many times, God will not let me or you settle for less. God knows what he wants for us, Scripture teaches. This covenant, if, then. It's also temporary. We know this from reading Scripture because we know that Jesus came to create a new covenant. This Mosaic Covenant is important because it begins to show us God. It begins to show us ourselves as a reflection of God through his law. It's 
temporary, but it is vital. For full disclosure, God's covenant was also called the Sinaitic, I can't even say this word well, Sinaitic covenant. It's all more fully fleshed out in the books of the law that God fully discloses his expectations on those who enter into covenant with him. It's impossible. You know how it was impossible for us to begin preaching Exodus without spending time in Genesis. And have you noticed that we've spent a lot of time in Psalms, a lot of time in Hebrews, we've touched Ezekiel, we've touched the Gospels. Exodus is just the beginning, a launching point of what God wants to do that's all throughout his word. God took the initiative and he's allowing us to know his expectations. God reached out to the people. God took the greatest responsibility and God created the greatest outcome. Say it just real clear to you. God wanted to speak to Israel face to face. That's what this teaches. And let me tell you, that God who does not change, that God who is not the author of confusion, that God who loves you and has plans and purposes for you, who wants you to seek him with all of your heart, he wants to speak with you face to face. Now, I'll tell you, there's a lot of chit-chat out on the internet and all these things talking about, well, if you start preaching this kind of God-directly relationship, well, what will pastors do? They won't need pastors. I shared with you a few weeks ago, someone called me father. Now, I quickly set them straight because I said, let me tell you for starters, I'm just a man. It is God and God alone who is worthy of our attention and of our adoration, and of our praise. It is God and God alone. But God wants to speak to you directly, not just in general. God wants to speak to you today. God is waiting for you today to come before him and say, God, speak to me. Reveal to me yourself. You see, God knew the people. He knew everything about them. He knew their unfaithful works that they had done. He knew that their unfaithful days were still ahead of them, but he still took this initiative. I was reminded in reading this of Romans 5.8 that says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Still, still sinners. God doesn't wait for us to get over ourselves. God doesn't wait for us to become perfect because we can't. God said, they're a wreck. They need me. I love them. Here's the plan. And we can come to know that plan. Church, can I tell you again? God wants to speak to you. God loves you. And he has taken every initiative to create your opportunity to come before him for your redemption. Verse 7 says, so Moses came and called for the elders. Remember, Moses just left, and God said, Moses, I want the people to hear what I just said, that I want to talk to them, that I want to make a covenant with them. The message from God to Moses went from Moses to the elders and then from the elders to all the people. Note the verse that says, all the words were laid out before them. Let me ask you a question. Do you read contracts that you sign? I don't. They give me stuff, and I just go there, and I give it to them. 
I don't know what I just signed away. Now, fortunately for me in this life, I've not had somebody come and say, do you know that you promised right here that you would give me such and such? But do you, do you read the fine, fine print? Do you even understand many times what you're committing to? Or do you just agree and move forward, just hoping and praying and thinking, or not even hoping, praying and thinking, and just assuming everything's going to be okay? says that God provided them all the words. Look at verse 8, one of the most audacious statements you will ever find. Then all the people answered together. This is God to Moses, Moses to the elders, the elders to the people, all the words of God, all of the details, even the fine print. And you get to verse 8, and the people say this, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now, we know what's happened before. We know what happens in the future, but yet they still go, we will do everything that you say, God. That person in the mirror has made that statement before. I will do whatever you say, God. You know you have. I have. And Moses takes this word this commitment of the people to do everything God says back to God. Now, let me give you a Jeff paraphrase in, in uh, verse 9. God says, cool, make plans. I'm coming to see you in three days. That's what happens. And remember, we talked last week in verses 10 to 15 how the people entered into a time of consecration because obviously Scripture is teaching us you just don't come bebopping. That's a real word. You just don't come bebopping into God's presence without preparing for it. Just like you would never sign a contract that you haven't read. God said, I'm coming to see you. Did you notice how quickly, how faithfully, how without hesitation, the people entered into this contract with God? And here's what I believe. I believe that in that moment, in that particular moment, they meant it that they were sincere, or that they just went along because that's what they were supposed to do. You ever voted for something that you didn't even know what you was voting for because the person beside you said, raise their hand? I went to the Southern Baptist Convention. There were 15,000, 16,000 people, Zeke, voting many, many times. And I'd listen to people, watch people around me. They'd be talking. They wouldn't even know what's going on, and it came time to vote. And I'd stick my hand up, and they'd, everybody'd go up, and I'm going, you guys don't even know what we're voting on. <laughs> but don't we do it all the time? Because we're supposed to. I believe that we too quickly commit without fully understanding what we are being called to do. I believe we overestimate our commitment that we're making to God. I believe that we do not spend the time we should, we should seeking God, being with God, allowing God to have his way in our lives. We mean well, but our commitment to the covenant, to the promise that we have entered into with God lags behind our words. Now, I think God's word can show us why. So if you want to, if you've got this little string thing, put it right there, but I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. 
Deuteronomy chapter 5, if you're using that pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 208. Deuteronomy chapter 5, and when you get there, just go to verse 1. Now, Deuteronomy, while you're going there, was also written by Moses. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy called the law. Moses wrote these. Deuteronomy is a series, if you break it down in its simplest form, of five different farewell messages that Moses is making to the people as they prepare to enter the promised land and as Moses prepares to die. Deuteronomy in chapter 5 places us not quite 40 years in the future when Moses is recounting to them the events that happened in Exodus chapters 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, and 24. Deuteronomy is therefore another perspective of Exodus. And we need to see a few details here that Moses wrote down. Look at verses 1 through 4. Let me read. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 says this. And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Let's catch this, church. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. Did you notice? Moses is pointing out, he said, this is your commitment that you made to God. God talked to you face to face. This is your covenant, your promise, your commitment. Not something from back then, not from a generation's past. And he speaks to them about that. It said that God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Horeb is also Mount Sinai. It's the same place. So Moses is taking them back. He said, if you'll remember those days when we gathered together. When I read that scripture, because scripture is timely, not just then, but for now. God says, I'm speaking to you, church. I'm speaking to you, man, woman, teenager, child. I'm speaking to you person who's made a commitment to me. And I'm also speaking to you if you've not yet made a commitment in Jesus. Go to verse 22. This is where I just got rocked in my life. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 22. I'm going to read verses 22 to 29. It says, if you notice in between are the Ten Commandments. This is Deuteronomy chapter 5. Right after I read, it's the Ten Commandments picking up and then verse 22. It says, these words, the Lord spoke to all your assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, the cloud and the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. So it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he, that would be man, still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more than we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? 
You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us all that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear and do it. Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me and the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forevermore. Church, did you notice, I pointed out already, starting in verse 22, these words, those were the words right prior. Exodus chapter 20, 10 commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 5, 10 commandments. We will spend time on the 10 commandments in the weeks ahead as God leads us. But it's in that moment. Verse 23, Moses said, you heard his voice. Church, don't miss this. If we're not careful, we'll watch movies or we'll overread this or we'll listen to other stories that talk about how Moses went up and only Moses had this interaction with God. But God has gone to great lengths to take the initiative to come down, to prepare, to draw the people to him so that he could speak to them. Do you notice that Moses said, you heard his voice. You heard what he said. You heard his voice. Verses 23 to 26, the people basically, after coming into that interaction with God that we saw in Exodus 19 and here, they said, Moses, don't make us do that again. We can't do that. That was too awesome or too scary. That was too much. We will, we see that we have stood before God and yet we live. But Moses, we can't take that chance again. So here's what we want you to do, Moses. You go to God. Don't make us go. You hear God, and then you come back and you tell us all that God wants us to do. And if you'll do that, Moses, we'll do everything that God says to you that you tell us to do. We can't do that again. Israel had just gotten its first real look at God. God gave them this opportunity. God took the initiative to bring them into his presence so that they could begin to see just how awesome of a God that he is. They felt just like Isaiah likely felt in Isaiah chapter 6 when he came face to face with the Lord, and he said, I am undone. This will be the end of me. But the difference between Israel and Isaiah is Isaiah stayed right there. And then God took the next initiative to come and make him right. Israel said, don't make us do that again. We can't do that. I can't do that. Verse 28 said that Moses goes back to God and shares the people's position. Now, I understand that God is all-knowing, and part of this is helping us understand the events. It's not as if God did not know the people's hearts and their minds. That's probably why we're doing this. So I just want you to know that Moses is not informing God. Moses goes back to God, and look what God says in verse 28. God says, 
They're right. Isn't it nice to be right? I'm not right as much as I want to be, but man, when I'm right, I like it. And the children of Israel will hear Moses come back down and say, God said you're right. But it's interesting. Look at what he clarifies about them in verse 29. He says they're right. Oh, that they had such a heart. You know what God is saying that they're right about? They don't have the heart to come before me. That's what he said. And now what it says, church? Oh, that they had that heart, which is another way of saying they're right. They don't have that heart. And so it is best that they not come before me. It is best that I don't roll out all my plans and purposes for them because they're not yet seeking me with all their heart. Do you know that coming face to face with God, not just here, but in your own life, will illuminate your heart? It will shine a light in every corner of your life. When we ask Jesus to come into our life, he's gonna move in, and I'll tell people this all the time, and when he comes in, he's gonna wanna move the furniture around. He's gonna say, in this place is a mess. We're getting rid of this, we're moving that, we're stopping this, we're gonna start doing this. That's what God wants to do when he comes into our life, church. And then when we find out, oh, whoa, 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 God, that's not what I committed to. I committed to coming to church. I committed to going to heaven. I committed to be able to say I love Jesus, but I didn't commit to all this moving around of my life. And I bought it. Oh, that they had the heart. They don't have this heart. If they had this heart, if they would give me all of themselves, if they would seek me first and me only, if, 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 then things would be well for them. Not just now, but the next generation and forever. You see what happens? If I sell out to Jesus in my life, God has promised to come in and do some things, and I believe that God will begin to do some things in the circles around my life as well. And then that generation will change, and then that generation will seriously see its commitment to God, and they will allow God to work in their life, and God will continue to do something. Forever, success will be there. However you want to define success, God will redefine that success to be according to his plan. Now, I want to go back. You don't have to go back to Exodus 19, but I'm going to go back for just a moment. In verse 6, when God was creating this covenant before them, he made this statement in Exodus 19:6. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Church, by Israel saying, by Israel saying, Moses, we can't do that. We don't want to do that. You go and then you tell us. Do you know that there are a lot of people in I want to be careful how I say this. There are a lot of people who say, Jeff, you go see God, and then you tell us what he said. 
and you're waiting on me to come back and tell you what God said. Can I tell you that that's not what I signed up for? I signed up to be the equipper. I signed up to be the encourager. I signed up to be the challenger when God called me into the ministry. But when you accepted Jesus, you signed up to come face to face with God. If I thought that I standing here was a barrier to you seeing God, then I should step down. Church, I'm not it. God wants you. Now, in God's organizational path, God can simultaneously use me as his called man in the church to challenge you, and you can simultaneously be interacting with God on a daily basis and living for him. These are not counter. They work together. Israel settled for less than what God wanted to give them. God said, I want to speak to you face to face. I want everything to be good in your life. I have purposes and plans for you. And Israel said, no, it's okay. Just tell Moses. Scripturally speaking, priests are defined as the one group of people that in that day, all the way up to Jesus, that could come directly before God for the people. But by God wanting you to be a kingdom of priests, what God is saying is when you come to know me through Jesus, you enter into a relationship where you can interact with me on a daily basis, just you and me. The veil church was torn. And we get this relationship. God wants us to come before him to have a heart that will yield and commit to his lordship. And that's true even today. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Now, have you noticed in scripture, just take time to think about this, that those who seem to have the greatest commitment to God, the most godly perspective, the most powerful testimonies, the most impactful lives are those who have taken time to see God face to face. Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, Paul, the disciples, and many, many others through generations and generations. They've not settled for a God presented to them by someone else but they have sought after a personal daily relationship with God himself, God Almighty who created this and took the initiative in the beginning. And when they got into the presence of God, anybody who would, their lives were changed forever. Church, God makes that offer to us today. It's in the fine print. I read it. We can settle for the echoes of God. You see, that's all you get are the echoes of someone else going before God. We can settle for the echoes of God from others, or we can enter into that covenant with God that he desires to give us. I believe God desires to do something greater than we can do, greater than we can imagine. 
And I don't mean that generally. I believe that specifically for me, for you, for this church in our community. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God says, come to me, and I will change your life, and it will reverberate and change others' lives if you will stay before me if we will desire God, if we will come into his presence, if we will present ourselves to him fully, he will keep his promises. Special treasured people, kingdom of priests, holy nation. God will keep that. He will keep that. And in closing, D.L. Moody probably playing off 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9, was speaking to a man named Henry Varley in 1873. And Henry Varley said this quote, even though it's been given credit to D.L. Moody. D.L. Varley said, Mr. Moody, the world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. Church, can I ask you, can I encourage you urge you, whatever word you want to put in there, to take the step toward God to fully give him your life. Will it be hard? It'll be hard to take that first step. But then God, once you bring him and his power into your life, that second step will get easier. And then when you begin to see the fruit come from that life, Oh, my goodness. Just imagine what God can do. I have a good imagination. The Scripture says, Jeff, you can't even imagine what I can do. Amen? Amen. Church, that is a call to action. That is a call to commitment. That is a call for you to come before Almighty God who loves you and took this initiative with Jesus. He's calling you to step into this commitment. Amen? Just imagine what God wants to do if we would do it together.